Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Luke and Jimmy. And today we're going to be covering the Adult Swim flagship show, Rick and Morty. Today we have season five, episode five, entitled A Mordekin Grickfeedy. And I like this episode a lot. Definitely one of the stronger ones of this season so far for me. And I really thought that we had some interesting character groupings more than anything. I feel like it's not so often that we see Morty and Summer removed from all the adults of the group. And we kind of got to see them go on their own adventure. And then also the adults. We don't always see them so cooperative as they were. And they were down in hell together. It was just really good episode for me. And they were kind of getting back to the basic, excuse me, basics after two questionable episodes, maybe. The description of the episode actually was the adults are gone for the night. So that's exactly hinting at what you're talking about there, Brian. But before I jump into how this was received by the community and we start talking about this high level, this is Jimmy's first time on a Rick and Morty episode. So I wanted to give him a chance to talk about his fandom for this show before we get all into the details, give him a chance to speak about it. Yeah, I've been a little bit preoccupied with Loki. I'm I'm happy to be here, guys. It's funny. We always talk about the fact that going to Iceland together is what made this podcast become a thing. And the first ever episode of Rick and Morty that I saw was at Iceland. You guys are telling me how good it was, and you made me watch the pilot, and I was hooked from there. For a while, uh, binged it. I've only really binged probably once through and then watched random episodes here and there, so I'm definitely not as highly educated as you guys are in the material. I actually didn't even get a chance to watch this season. Like I said, I was preoccupied with Loki and I purposely was going to rewatch the episodes like a binge because, you know, we're binge town TV here. So I was going to binge as much as I could while listening to your guys coverage. I just watched all five episodes today, right before the podcast. I will say it started off strong. Those two episodes you guys are talking about were a little weak, but I think it, it pushed it right back to the top with this episode. Still think the first two were definitely stronger, but I enjoyed this one a lot. Good to hear that you being a little bit more of a casual fan of Rick and Morty than us, that what we've been talking about resonates with someone who isn't deep diving as much as us. I think you said it before we even started the podcast. The first two episodes are probably the best of the season so far. Yeah, definitely. Just in general, even with with plot, but I was I was laughing a lot more in the first two episodes. We didn't actually get to release our comedy bracket. We had a little bit of a mishap, but Rick and Morty all around was pretty much everyone's favorite. And I even being more of a casual fan was talking about just in general, how I don't even see Rick and Morty as a full on comedy. Just the plot has something to do with it. Majorly. It's not like family guy to me where a family guy is not funny that I'm not really enjoying it, but Rick and Morty, I might not be laughing out loud at all times, but I will be enjoying the episode because of the plot. I was laughing out loud early in the season. There a lot more than later episodes, but this one did get me and I appreciated this episode. So that's a good segue to talk about the ratings of this most recent episode from a critic standpoint so we can get a better pulse on how people also saw this episode. So I brought it up in the last podcast how Rick and Morty in general from an IMDb website perspective, usually the episodes average around mid eights, which is very, very high, especially for a cartoon. And the first two episodes of this season were ranked really high, you know, right on par. I think they were even above nines. Now, episode three dropped off a little bit, and then episode four was actually the lowest ranked episode in the series history. There's 45 episodes out, and before the last two episodes, the lowest ranked episode, I think, actually was the Dragon episode from last season at like a 7-4, and then the episode last week was a 5-4. Like, that is the 
a huge gap in quality from a critic standpoint. And then this most recent episode actually tied the second to lowest at seven, four. So basically these last two episodes are in the bottom three ranked of the whole series, which is very, doesn't make me feel great, you know, cause that you were trending in the wrong direction and Reddit is a fucking mess right now. You do yeah. not want to look at the Rick and Morty Reddit. Everybody is just at each other's throat. Either this show fucking sucks. Dan doesn't care anymore. Justin doesn't care anymore. Or it's people saying you guys are such fucking babies. Like it's so good. Like, you know, like there's so many people coming at each other's throats about this show. It's kind of taking away from the fans in general. And um, I, I really hate it. But this episode did not help relieve any of that stress. Well, in that argument, I would side with the latter. You know, I, I think everybody's just got to relax. We pretty much universally agreed that episodes one and two were solid. You know, they were good critically. And I think the fan base enjoyed them. Two bad episodes in a row. You know, what are you going to do? No show is perfect. You cannot get 100% of the shows absolutely right in a comedy show. It just doesn't happen. And I think episode four, I didn't, I wasn't on that episode, but I think people were being too critical of it. I believe that it might have been in the conversation for the weakest episode in the se's, uh, series history. Yes. But like, was it two full points lower than every other episode? Absolutely not. That was probably like a low seven, high six. It was still a funny episode. And people, I think, got rubbed the wrong way about some of the kind of weird subject matter that they touched, like the... Uh, the incest i guess yeah and i think that ruined the entire episode but don't lie to me and say you didn't laugh out loud in that opening scene when he's looking at this horse ejaculator and just the mouth goes <laughs> oh my god totally <laughs> that agree. Was so agree. funny and luke i know you love the president we got to see him again like that still showed signs of a television show that has their sauce you know like there was still some classic rick and morty gems in there so everybody's got to relax you know episode three was okay wasn't the best four i would say is the same and this one i really really liked i think i liked it better than the majority of the fan base i was gonna say luke it's interesting that you're talking about reddit and i was and i think that Reddit and the Facebook fan pages are so interesting, especially now that we're doing this podcast and, and hearing their opinions. And, and the Facebook fan pages are exactly the same way. And like I said, I just rewatched these episodes, or actually I just watched these episodes for the first time. So I just watched four not that long ago. And I agree 100% with what Brian's saying. I don't believe that it's a 5.4 if the other ones, like the other, second lowest is a 7.4. You know what I mean? Like I still was fine with it. I laughed at some things there, you know, again, yeah, there was some weird subject matter, but at the same time, it wasn't one that I would be like, Oh my God, that's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It's still Rick and Morty. It's exactly what me and Paul were saying when we were going over it. There's no way I would have known if I didn't look on the internet that people would have thought that was that bad of an episode. But I do want to say something off of what you, you just commented, Brian, about everybody needing to slow their role on criticizing this season, because I was in a terrible place about the show in the middle of in season four when they did the train episode, right? Which just pretty much just fucked all the canon. It was the writer's way of saying, everybody chill out. And I was pissed. I was really mad. But the second half of season four was so good. And the season finale of season four brought the canon back into a reasonable state where things are still going to be canon. They weren't just throwing it out the window where I walked away from season four thinking it was fantastic. So I'm totally on board of waiting to say this show is going downhill until the 10th episode of season five. I think we need to give it a little bit more time. With that being said, one of the things 
and specifically Paul is really going to have a problem with this is we've been talking about this every podcast episode for this season. And Jimmy, I'm not sure you noticed, but the portal gun was not used in the first four episodes of this season. And then the portal gun was used, I think in the beginning of this episode, we'll talk about that when we're going through the scenes, but that to me is really shitty because me and Paul were theorizing that there was going to be a reason for it. Why has Rick been getting his ass kicked all the time? Why has Rick been not really using technology in the same manners he's been using in the first four seasons? And he broke that this episode with no actual explanation for the fans. So if it doesn't get directly addressed in the ne- in the second half of the season, I'm a little worried that even Paul, who's the optimist when it comes to Rick and Morty is going to be pretty disappointed. I'm willing to give it a little bit more time, but I hate it because there's so many situations where the portal gun would have been so useful in the first four episodes and they just casually just didn't have it in there. Like, was that a coincidence? Did they just forget about the portal gun? Like, that's the main piece of technology in the show. Plot wise, you could say it's a plot hole. Like, why didn't they just use the portal gun if they've had it? But from a showrunner standpoint, I think having the portal gun narrative driver take a back seat so that they can highlight kind of the family dynamics that are at play now you know rick is not the same rick vold of the past seasons like he's kind of a shattered man and he's starting to realize how important his family is to him morty's coming into his own coming more dependent you know you can't take the show where they might want to take the show this season and show the things that they want to show if every episode they're going to freaking narnia on planet xyz fucking aliens you know and if the portal guns in every episode and everything they do is running through this portal gun you're gonna have a certain type of show and maybe they don't want the episodes to be that and it's funny too because they've actually had situations where they could have used it and they just didn't episode one where he's trying to get the wine back and forth they use a different way of portaling in this episode they use the cube thing to go to hell or whatever to bring him in from hell Again, I'm more casual, so I don't know if that happened in past seasons and the portal gun would have been used instead or what, but it just seems like that's where the portal gun may have been for them traveling. I think we're in the realm of just theorizing and we don't really know yet. So once we get more information, we're going to be commenting on this pretty much every week. And I know when Paul gets back, he's going to have a little monologue about it. And I'm sure it's going to be negative. But (laughs) with that being said, if you guys are ready, we're just going to go through these couple storylines here. All right. So the beginning, when we have the whole family together, it starts off with Rick in his laboratory and he's actually with Jerry. (laughs) I don't know if you've noticed this in the past, Jimmy, but every single time since season one, that they're in Rick's laboratory, you can always see this box that I think it says time travel stuff. Yep. That's yep. on the shelf. So that's always been there. Yeah. And you know, I think it's even been touched a couple of times. This time, Rick is in a new box that says occult stuff. And that's going to be <laughs> the premise of his call the A plot or call it the B plot of what the adults are doing for this episode. Now we're flashing over to what Morty's doing, and the seeds are being planted for this new kid. His name is Bruce Chutback is going to be coming over. He's a new kid in the school that Morty and Summer go to, and they're both obsessed with the idea of getting him to be their friend before he finds out what their actual social status is in the school. Back to the Rick side of it, Rick and Jerry are going to have a guy's night out, and Beth is a little sketched out about that. and She ends up following him. Yeah, I just absolutely loved this plot line of Morty and Summer fawning over the new kid. They see it as potential to climb the social hierarchy at school. And, you know, I just thought it was hilarious. I love how candid they are. It's like their business partners, like about to go into the meeting room. He's putting out grapes. He's like, I admit it. I'm a little out of my league here. (laughs) They're just like going from there. That's just the start of everybody's storyline then we start to converge and rick and jerry and back to the portal gun this is the one use of the portal gun throughout the entire season they use it to go to a bar 
where they're going to hang out with the demons that love Jerry. So they're outside the bar. The demons are summoned by Rick using the this demon cube thing, which yeah. is the hell cube. Yeah, it's just cube, a right? Rubik's cube. Yeah, exactly. So these, so these fucking crazy looking demons come out who would just have just so many torture devices kink looking style outfits on they're just the craziest looking people ever you find out pretty quickly that they get off to whenever cringy things happen <laughs> or whenever they they're put into a situation where they're in pain that's pleasure to them the whole trope of just opposite day right like where yeah. this is good but that's actually bad but then if it's bad it's actually good you know that's their whole style and that's just the characters they are what ends up happening is we skip a couple scenes down the line and we're in this bar. I think we find out pretty early on that Rick owes them a debt for selling him faulty skin hooks, which comes into play a little bit later in the episode. So because <laughs> of that, he's feeding Jerry's cringe and pain that he's causing to the demons, which is positive to them. That's the payment for the debt that he owes. So this next time we're in the bar, it's just Jerry in the background singing. Just It's Jerry Oakey night, dude. Yeah, <laughs> They have the whole album of of Smash Mouth. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, which was fucking hilarious. And anytime that they're feeling pleasure, they like pulse purple. Yeah. So that's pretty much the beginning of this before Beth shows up is them just chilling and Jerry just living his best life, thinking he's the most popular dude in the school and for once not being looked down on. Just love these guys. They're deadpan delivery on everything. You know, we love suffering. Therefore, we love hanging out with Jerry. Like, are you kidding me? The dude's like face is being pulled off by hooks that are suspended by like a wire around his head. These guys are absolutely insane. I loved the character design. These guys just did it for me. Just another way to put Jerry down in storyline wise. It just cracks me up. He finds out pretty early, right? I think Beth shows up to the bar because she's just following them she wants to find out what's going on with boys night so when she starts playing along after picking up on what the heck's going on here jerry goes into the bathroom and he's taking a shit or something and two of the demons are out there explaining why they like jerry so much and then this is just the whole heel flip turn for his character for the rest of this episode and it, it causes him to start being not cringy which i guess they don't like because he's like calling it all out. He's being boring, quote unquote. Yeah, well, he starts insulting them too. When the guy tries to get him to do something cringy, he says like, go after yourself or something. He's like, this is that's not what I sign up for, bro. I'm about to be done with this. <laughs> I want to know what Hell's Essence tastes like. Isn't that yeah. what they call the drink? Yeah, because yeah. when Beth showed up, she was about to leave. But... She wants them all to leave. Yeah, she's like, this is embarrassing. This is ridiculous. Exactly. Then she drinks the Hell's Essence and then they, they call her cool right they tell beth that rick told them that he thought she was cool yeah, and she's yeah. like wait did you actually say that about me so she has a moment she's like i i'm not getting into it now and then she sips the essence of hell and it's like okay this is pretty good i actually thought the storyline was going to go that that was going to mess her up somehow and she was going to get like possessed or something after she drank it <laughs> this feels fine to me i saw some people saying it feels like a backward step for jerry's character but this feels exactly like it's always been he's always the butt of the joke i'm fine with him never evolving past that role yeah and it's fine if beth fucks with him too like she says later in the episode you know i show my love through like sexual gratification he knows i love him i think it's a step forward for jerry and rick's relationship because rick is forced to admit that he probably doesn't hate Jerry as much as he leads on. I mean, later in the episode, he says, no, Jerry, I love Beth and Beth loves you. Those credits don't transfer something to that effect. Mm -hmm. But 
then his last line in the episode suggests that, you know, maybe he does. You know, I think it's a step forward. And Jerry did kind of show some spine once he realized he was the butt of the joke. He was just like, fuck off, you know? Yeah. I heard them talking about me. Yeah, that's low even for you, Rick. And it was. One thing Dave has been bringing up on the podcast that he's been a part of is that this Rick seems to care about the family more. Like we're getting explicit confirmation of him caring about this family a lot more and part of that could be the reason that he's starting to be more susceptible to aliens and different species and getting his ass kicked because he's now caring about his family so he's not being as selfish i'm down to buy that but i kind of want something along the lines of that being explicitly stated like exactly in the in the finale where it's not just fans picking at shit and that was part of the plan don't say it underlying, just straight up tell us so we can confirm it. Did you guys hear the song that Jerry was singing? The one song he's actually up on stage was the song Day Bow Bow. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. And could you imagine if someone got up on stage and sang that at a karaoke night? You'd be like, who is this asshole? <laughs> like, it's either someone doing it ironically or just an absolute asshole. But it's Jerry doing it. Such a lack of self-awareness to get up and sing that song. So that's the cringe, right? Yeah, and I Absolutely, just love how yeah. I love how he finishes his song, and then the guy comes up, the the host comes up, and he's like, "All right, we got our next person. Jerry's back." <laughs> <laughs> also, the story that Beth is telling the the demons is how Jerry shat himself multiple times in the same day because he ate soup that was too hot on a yeah. cold day. <laughs> That's so good. Like, I guess he's not realizing it took him all the way to going to the bathroom and hearing them say it explicitly that they're making fun of him. But even that he was playing along with it. And he's like, yeah, it was too hot. You know, (laughs) (laughs) just loves being popular, man. Before he finds out, too, he does the Borat line, I think, in a terrible way. If that unless my (laughs) wife, it was so fucking bad. So the last thing that happens in in the bar itself after Jerry comes to the realization and starts fucking with the demons back. They all just say they get bored. And there's a bunch of humans here, right? Yeah. They just go ham and start murdering people. Like the first demon just takes the pull stick and just shoves it right through the back of the guy he's standing next to. It just went zero to 100. They just fucked everybody up. They're like, fuck you, Rick. Like you didn't pay back the debt. Just for that, we're taking Jerry as collateral. They reopen the portal back to hell, go in and steal Jerry. And then the last thing we see is Beth pleading to Rick. We got to go save him. We got to go save him. And he says... You never follow hell demons to a second location. It's always hell. <laughs> it's always hell. Great. And line. they get they go through the portal. They get to hell. And the costumes that Beth and Rick have are money. They're yep. marlin guts and dartboard face. <laughs> and I think this might have been the scene of the episode when they walk up to the castle and have this conversation with this fucking guard. Rick is egging him on, like rubbing his nipples. Oh, the, the intolerance <laughs> of, of suffering through rejection of not being let into this castle is so pleasurable. It's just so unbelievably funny. And it comes to a head when they make fun of his name oh this is coat hanger guy and he's like it's not coat hanger guy it's it's candlehead or something like that <laughs> she says but if we offend you isn't that good big time i loved it so painful and therefore so pleasurable go in he's <laughs> just out dude that unbelievable it was so dumb but it was so funny i i just loved it what the fuck was going on with just that marlin right through his stomach which i know pulled out and it's just an empty hole that you're looking through the whole time <laughs> he literally kept it like that the rest of the episode where it's just an empty hole through his stomach b times i got some uh death note vibes you've seen all of death note right 
Yeah. Where like all the, the death gods are from, like that's the hellscape, right? It's just like a dreary. Oh, yeah. 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 hundred percent. Yeah. And B times or without giving any spoilers to Luke, how you were bringing up in Loki, the decoy episode and things like that, how it reminded you now that I've watched it. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Luke, yeah. it is a travesty that you haven't watched any of those shows, but we'll, it's on we'll the sell you. We'll sell you on those another time. We we got some more Rick and Morty to go. So question for you guys. I know when Rick and Morty makes big decisions about whether it be a certain species or a realm or a technology, it's usually pretty permanent. So is this the hell you think? Like if it ever comes back into play, be it two seasons down the line and we talk about hell, you think we're talking about this place or is it just going to be a one off where we probably never see it again? I mean, it was weird because they didn't call it like the main guy, the main demon had a name. Right. And it wasn't like they were calling him Satan or anything. It didn't look as much like hell as I thought it would. If Not you're... at all. Did anybody but Rick refer to it as hell other than when he said it's always hell? They're called hell demons, right? Yes, they're definitely called hell demons. But I was writing hellscape. Because I never heard the name hell except for that one quote where I where I read it from Rick. I mean, if you're asking me again as a casual fan, I, I just took it as like another dimension. I didn't really okay. take it as straight up hell. Yeah, that's yeah, probably w- exactly what it is. Exactly. I wouldn't be offended if they went to hell in another episode and it wasn't this. All right. We have Rick and Beth in the hellscape, the hell dimension, whatever we want to call it. They're past the bouncer, who's the man. Now <laughs> we have... In my opinion, since the first episode, the biggest display of Rick using actual technology when, you know, they walk into the room where Jerry's being kept and there's all these demons. It was a trap, by the way. And he originally, I think, doesn't he like throw these like cubes that electrocute some people? But it, but it's yeah. pleasurable yeah. to them. But they like it because it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just so crazy. We find out that this whole thing has been a plan. We're going to fake loving Jerry. Then we're going to steal him and bring him to the hellscape. And we're going to lure Rick here. That's kind of where we're at. We have this new main face of the demons who looks kind of like Satan, but not really Satan. He wasn't in the bar, right? No, no, no. He's, he's like their, the he's head their leader. Demon. Yeah. And I do want to get this quote right, because some of the most thought provoking parts of this episode is where they kind of paint a picture of what cringe is and why it can only <laughs> exist because people are observing it. So he says, yeah. Jerry was just the bait. You think he's lame and you are cool, which is the lamest thing of all. Cringe cannot exist in a vacuum. It needs to be observed. And people on Reddit love that last sentence. It's so true. It absolutely is. It's like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, did it really fall? I mean, and it's also all relative. Like certain things might not cringe you, but they might cringe me. I was listening to another podcast. They were like, if you're the only man on planet Earth and you scratch your asshole just shove it right up there is that cringy is that embarrassing if you're the only one there and you just start doing it damn that's a good line when you reflect on it like that but this episode wasn't really cringy in my opinion it was just fucking with jerry which is always kind of funny no it was to us it's just funny after the plan gets explained to rick this is when it comes into play of of why they had to deal with rick in the first place they grab rick and beth and hold them hostage right next to jerry on the skin hooks which proceed to fall right away because they were <laughs> faulty. That's why they were in this debt with Rick and he owed them something. And, you know, the, the main demon starts freaking out. I was like, I fucking told you to replace that. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. <laughs> Good so payoff for a dumb joke. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that leads them to finally escape together as the trio for the rest of the episode. And they make their way into, it looks just like a hell schoolroom. They're, they're hiding in there and they see on the board, the, I think it's just, says pain equals pleasure more pain or yeah exactly so (laughs) 
right away, Rick, you know, erases it and then draws up this crazy cool formula, which again, I kind of like because it's finally him, you know, being a scientist for our, our eyes, which he doesn't, hasn't really been doing a lot this season. And then they jump another one of the hellscapes by Lorna, well, one of the hell demons by Lorna him in and beating the shit out of him. Really quick, Luke and, and Brian, since I'm again, a casual listener and I haven't gotten a chance to uh, listen to your pod on the episode. Everyone hated if it was the old Rick, would he have just allowed Morty to talk him out of checking the semen when he said it was the horse semen versus Morty semen? I would say yes, actually. Okay. I think that's I just... a direct result of adventures having have happened. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because you were talking about the science stuff, and that was him trying to do some science stuff because he was like, that's science, Morty. You got to double check it, you know? Yeah. And then he's like, never mind. <laughs> it's like, you millennials pick a weird hill to die on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I forget the name of the machine. It was an alliteration and it rhymed. It was like the inverting converting perder converter or something like that. I don't know. It was it was very smart, but it's essentially a machine that turns the pleasure that these people get from pain back into actual pain. So they're going to make them feel pain like everybody else does again, but they need 100% sincerity to jumpstart the machine. And Rick says, so Jerry, just be you. And he'll laugh and it'll power the machine. But Jerry says, no, you're not making fun of me anymore. And this is where Rick has to swallow his pride. And this is the actual nugget of genuine Rick deep down underneath all the layers. So I want to get the quote right. He says, I shouldn't have kept you in the dark about this deal I had with the Hellraisers. Uh, you're way less cool than me, but it's not cool to celebrate that. If I'm genuinely cool, then I should be able to love you, which I therefore do. And I think that's as close as we're ever going to get to Rick saying, Jerry, I love you. Yes, I totally agree. <laughs> And he tells him that later in the episode. Yep, exactly. That's a one-time thing. It ain't happening again. But it's not him being sincere that powers the machine. I think it's the fact that the Hellraiser laughed at it. And then it powered the machine. Mm -hmm. And then they just go on this rampage where they're turning these people's pain back into pain. And they have all these elaborate torture devices that they just live in. So they start <laughs> freaking out. It was a really, really, really funny scene if you think kind of hardly about it some of the quotes that happen when they, so it's like a gatling gun essentially and they're yeah. driving around hell shooting all these people and you just, there are just so many good quotes i regret so many piercings and he's just cringing on the ground and then the, the one guy gets hit he goes could this be the end of mousetrap nipples <laughs> yeah these guys were absurd i i loved them I was just telling Brian before you jumped on the Zoom, Jimmy, that the fun like it had to be as the creators to think of all the concepts of how they're going to dress these like kinky pain dudes, <laughs> the, even the drawings. So much time had to be spent to make it creative that it still worked. But right. they, they all look insane. They do. Hilarious. So Rick takes out the Demon King and then they just take the Hell Cube portal back to actual Earth and Rick pulls Jerry aside and is like, yo, if this ever happens again, I'll replace you instead of like saying what I just said. This is a one-time thing, never going to happen again. And Jerry just runs it right off his back. He says, 10-4, Captain, and he walks away and they made a point to show Rick's face go from scowling to indifferent once Jerry turned the corner. So I think... That was just a tough guy act. I think he actually did mean what he said earlier in the episode. It'll never happen again. But I think that's confirmation that that's how Rick feels. Our boy's got feelings now. That's oh, yeah. Five seasons will do that to you. He's got them feels. Yeah, man. What the hell is he going to be like season 15? All right. Before we jump back into what, you know, when they get back to Earth and figure out what, what's going on with Rick and the adults, 
we're going to go through the rest of the kids' storyline until they converge at the very end. So this is the, I like to call it the the Chutback storyline, right? I, me Ooh. and Brian were talking. Jimmy, would you say that this was the A plot or the B plot? Let me let me rephrase that question. Jimmy, would you say that this story plot uh, cut the chut? <laughs> Brian, dude, you're cute. Uh, uh, a or B plot, huh? Because the, the episode is named after this plot, the more yeah. plot. I mean, that's kind of, that's interesting. I mean, if you really ask me face value, I would say the Hellraiser plot. Yeah. It's just a whack storyline here, but yeah, the where we last left off, Morty and Summer are going to team up to impress Chuck back. So when he arrives at the door, I don't know what's going on, but there's like a voice narration over just talking about the kind of guy he is. I didn't write any of the quotes down. Bruce Chuck back, newest kid at school, just transferred in, no credit is perfect credit, Chuck back is the best. (laughs) Dude, it's just Chuck back being Chuck back. Pretty much something about like he hasn't done anything embarrassing yet. (laughs) (laughs) Unlimited potential. First impressions of Bruce Chuck back, give them to me. I did not think where the storyline went and like how his post credit scene goes about where he was just going to become the social reject. Yeah. I just thought he was going to be a one-off cool character that maybe died. I would have paid money that when the car gives him the ultimatum of leaving him and letting him die, I thought they were just going to leave him in that prison with the change formers. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I thought he was dead there. I would have been Haddock was going to kill him. Okay, but the fact <laughs> yeah. the fact that they're keeping him around, does that suggest that he might become like a friend? Yeah, like a friend akin to like how often they interact with Jessica. I would think that because now that he's not cool, maybe Morty will take him in or something as a friend. I was, I was thinking the same yeah. thing. I totally want that. I want more named characters from the school besides Jessica and the math teacher that I can't figure out. I can't remember his name right now for some reason. He's funny as hell. You know, yeah, what I'm talking he about. is funny. <laughs> well, we I mean, haven't seen him at all this whole season. Yeah, it's probably true. That's what I'm saying. Like, they don't really emphasize the storylines that go on in the school for a good reason. They're always off planet, but it would be nice because now we don't know what the fuck's going on with Jessica. She's a fucking time God, right? Yeah, like, right. I hope that's a permanent change in her, but like, she probably will never be back in school. I had no idea where that was going when I was watching it live. Well, not live, but watching it for the first time, because I thought that she was going to be like old or dead when he got back to her. And then when she was cryo, then I'm like, all right, she's going to be exactly the same. And then it's not that she's exactly the same. She's the time God. (laughs) Dude, she was conscious that whole time. Insane. (laughs) Yeah. So now we have Chutback just arriving at the Smith house and Morty tries to impress him with interdimensional cable which is actually awesome that this is the second time we've seen it this season the first time is when he's trying to impress jessica with n69 Nintendo. (laughs) so this one this i guess show that he turns on originally is called perfect diving with terrible swimmers and you just have (laughs) the commentators watching the process they're like there he goes perfect dive terrible swimmer (laughs) (laughs) like it's drowning and they hook him out what do you guys think of the interdimensional cable episodes because they've Gotten a habit of doing one per season, kind of. Do you think we're going to get one this season? And would you care if we don't? I kind of like that it's gotten to the point where it's just a recurring gag that can just be a part of the episode. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. Like the fact that it's actually being talked about and being used as a one-off here and there for some funny scenes, I'm fine with that if they don't make it a full-on episode. I would honestly prefer that at this point. Yeah, Yeah. It just is so limitless for the amount of just dumb jokes you can make and just scene doesn't have to be in every episode but it's now sitting on the living room like you can see the crystal sticking out 
of like the the router or whatever it is that allows them to use it. So it's always there. So I and think that, it's just always going to be a plot point. It, that almost reminds me of Family Guy, where they just need a quick like laugh. They could turn on the interdimensional cable and just have a quick scene. Family Guy does that all the time, where you just turn on something, you make fun of some kind of show, and mm-hmm. it's a it's just mm-hmm. a funny quick scene that means nothing. But I mean, even Rick, he later brings up N sixty nine again in that episode. Mm-hmm. God, <laughs> but that it just so funny, it cracks me up. But Bruce isn't interested in no, international cable. He is not picking up what they're putting down. So that's when Summer swoops in with some sofa wine, I think, that has been like warmed to perfection in between the cushions for weeks. But Chuck is, and I quote, more of a seltzer kind of guy. Aren't we all? So they go into the kitchen for the seltzers. But before they leave. Seltz. Yeah, the, the celts. Yeah, Morty, can you help me with the celts? We got to start using that. <laughs> oh my God. Morty hits us with a stutter for the ages. Feel free to have some grapes. <laughs> and he gets the hell out of Dodge. Dude, he's so aware of him fucking up too, because after that scene, the next direct thing we have is Bruce going outside and seeing what do we want to call it? What do we, the ship? I just refer to it as ship with a capital S because okay. I don't think it's ever going to get a name. So, some people call it the hovercraft, but just ship. Okay, so ship. So, right, Bruce finds ship. <clears throat> and then before Summer even gets, or maybe Summer and Morty go out there and Summer has to go inside. So, they know, hear him ship. leaving, so they think he's bailing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then Morty, with the one-on-one interaction again, is super awkward. And that's when he says to himself, which is to the audience, like, I'm really fucking up here. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) He's very aware that he's being a weirdo. Yeah. He just looks up and says, nights, am I right? This one, I'd say, in my opinion, is an eight. He's like, what? Out of 16. So, you know, average. He's like, holy fuck. (laughs) I'm not even treading water out here. And then summer comes back. Summer comes back with the keys and they think it's going to be easy peasy, but ship is like, she's a very intelligent AI, you know, she's more a person and has a personality. So summer just says, Hey, it's me. Remember keep summer safe, which Mm -hmm. I loved that callback. That's an iconic Rick and Morty moment. And then Morty's like, okay, summer, let me try. And he says, ship defense systems offline. And she's like, Oh, I'd be the best ship ever. If I just let anybody say defense systems offline. Right. Morty. (laughs) So she's just saying a big F you to both of them. But then Morty actually convinces her to let them go because she says her her primary objective is do whatever Rick says. So she can't do anything unless Rick tells her to do it. They convince Ship to let them go by telling her that Rick is in danger, but they can't tell her where because she can only do what Rick says. So if they tell her, then she couldn't go there. So she has to power down and let them drive or else she would be the one causing Rick to be in trouble or danger. So she powers down and they can drive and do their joyride. I love it. And I also don't love that it's the ship is now going to be a character. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I wish it was consistently having this personality much earlier than, than it is. I do love the callback. And Jimmy, do you remember that episode when, when summer gets protected uh, by the ship? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One of my favorite little clips. I think that's the carburetor episode when they go into his car battery. Is that when they go into Mm -hmm. his car battery? Because that's why Summer's a little yes, bit shit. Yes, and it is. In, yeah, they're inside the, the engine, inside the engine, inside the engine. Kind of just seems like Fantastic. slavery with more steps. <laughs> Fantastic um, episode. Now, what I was going to say is that I kind of have this idea that Rick might be like 
pressing down on her with a tight thumb or I don't know what you say, but, you know, keeps her on a tight leash because we've only really seen her personality come out when she's hanging out with Summer, like protecting Mm. Summer or in this one when it's just the kids. And then at the end, she's like, everybody get the fuck inside. I have to wash because he can smell adventure like she did not want to get caught yeah so maybe he's, he like there. reprimands people oh yeah it is and he, he smells smell it. it he fucking smells it <laughs> he like stops he's like <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, no i actually that's now my head cannon so yeah. they don't ever say anything and that's the reason until i see otherwise that whenever rick is around the personality is is not there right. i love that I, okay. I actually really like that so she powers down and lets them go on their joyride. And the first thing they do is, you know, well, I know Paul's going to be pissed if I don't bring it up because he loves Star Wars Episode One. They totally go on an Anakin pod race yep. and they beat the <laughs> dude. And it's, you know, he crashes into the rock. That's the same thing that happens to one of the racers. Um, but, you know, they go on this whole like joyride. They go through black holes. Uh, what else the fuck do they do? They do the they uh, go smashing the mail- mailbox yep. people. Yeah. That yeah. comes back later. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Correct me Go if ahead. I'm wrong, but wasn't the Anakin-style ships, the front engines of them, just ball sacks? Uh, it could have been. He looked like a ball sack person. Yeah. Like his face looked like a ball, like a ball, ball sack. sack. Like a... Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. It, it was like a dead ringer for the antagonist of the pod race story in the show. It was perfect. They do that shit so well. Yep. Yeah. Thought that was awesome. So after that, they get their hijinks in, but then Ship wakes herself up and reveals that she's been blackmailing them the whole time and allowed herself to get stolen. She knew that Rick's been safe all along, but now they just gave her a license to do whatever she wants and blame it on them stealing her. So then Ship gets to do what Ship always wants to do, but can't do when Rick's around. And the first thing she does is literally start towing a solar system using it as bait to catch like a Galactus looking dude thing. It was completely <laughs> just Galactus. It was it literally. Galactus. Yeah. <laughs> and then she measures him and he's not big enough. I'll, I'll send him back out. Yeah, <laughs> I'll release him like, back. She's just towing a, a mini sun, right? That, and he's just chasing it like a fit. I thought that was a hilarious little touch. Every single Rick and Morty episode, I think this season has been killing it with references to things. And I think that like 20 second clip, the montage of them doing all these random things was just filled with reference after reference after reference. And I mm-hmm. love them all. So, but Chut was, a li- he was getting a little bit anxious mm-hmm. when they caught Galactus. Uh, ship takes them to what we find out to be the change former planet. Mm-hmm. And they park at a gas station. And Chut back says, I don't usually express opinion, but it needs to be said. Tonight does not cut the Chut. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you want to hear. If you're That's trying to you impress Bruce, you kidding me? Um, but then we have one of these change formers pick a fight with ship and, you know, they have this standoff where she shows her gun and then it turns into them flirting. She gets herself invited to a party at, oh, it had a funny name, like space Placid or something like that. Instead of Lake Placid, it was ridiculous. The other change former had a, uh, Rick haircut. Did anybody notice that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. at the ski slope place or whatever yeah. the ski yeah. lodge. Yeah. But before we get there though, before you know, we go off screen and change and ship becomes a quote unquote change former. They have the conversation about what her whole goal is. And she just wants to lose her virginity. Yeah. And then I think ship says like, Oh, I thought everything can, everything be a virgin. Isn't a doorknob a virgin. And then Morty <laughs> goes, not mine. Yeah, not mine. Okay. Okay. So real quick, do you think that this was Morty just trying to make like one of those, 
adolescent hyper masculine jokes about fucking something or do you think morty's fucked his door up actually both (laughs) if it's both that's ridiculous man you gotta have a very small penis to do that (laughs) that's horrible i'm gonna hope that it's more on your the first thing you said brian yeah i'm taking it less literal it seemed like someone who tried to say something funny immediately realized it wasn't and was like just kidding i haven't fucked my door now (laughs) (laughs) i thought that was great morty's funny (laughs) so funny i just really quick want to go back to the sperm episode dude after he has that week and he's sitting on the roof he's like oh yeah (laughs) like what (laughs) he says oh man there's such a good quote he's like morty you dirty dog yeah 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 I do want to point out that it is the chut that kind of sparks ship to realize that she's fallen for this change for me. He's like, it takes a chut to no one. And you like that guy. Mm-hmm. So it was Chuck back. who was speaking up. But the next scene we get is ship and the kids showing up at this change former party. And she's, you know, got a disguise to look like a change former. But right when they lean into kiss, you know, she obviously gets the guy, her head falls off and her cover is blown. So she then gets up and starts torching the place. Yeah, they were making fun of the fact that you could see through the window now and and they're like, oh, my God, the three of you were in there the whole time. Like and they're all they're making the change formers are making fun of it. And she's like, F this, dude, and just starts lighting them up. I thought I was going to be the only one that picked out the Rick haircut on the change warmer. I thought that was awesome. And that, <laughs> that, that's, that happened last episode as well in the sperm mm. episode when Rick has his horse kid, his chud kid. Yeah. The chud kid. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that horse was fucking dope. Okay, so once she torches the place, though, then they're getting chased by change former police and the kids are in genuine danger. So Morty's like, fuck this. And they bail land on immune. On a moon, M O O N, not a mune. And they got taken into the police station, whatever. Ship gets away. Ship gets away, right. And this is where they meet their public defender, Allison Hannigan. No relation. Though. Is there literally like any reason why that was a thing? Because it was killing me. I literally just had the mid episode look up if she was the voice actress and, and I was going to blow my mind, but she's not. So I, I have no idea why that's the name of her disguise so funny can you imagine just literally being Allison hannigan and someone like tweets at you and like yo you're just in the latest rick and morty app and she's like what (laughs) (laughs) but we already kind of talked about this scene earlier in the episode in the podcast but you know they're getting reprimanded for their crimes for killing male boxians and female boxians along with the other things that they did that weren't as fun to talk about. That's when Allison Hannigan walks in and you find out real quick that that's the lawyer, that's the car, or that's the ship. Mm-hmm. And this is when she gives the offer on the table to Morty and Summer that they could just blame Chuck back for this whole thing and get the fuck out of there. But they do it the hard way and decide to escape with violence and ship was prepared for that. And Morty was like, oh, see, we knew you were growing car or ship or whatever because... Usually you would think that she was just going to blow the place up first, but she actually brought Allison Hannigan in. I just love the part where Allison Hannigan walks in and Summer's like, is she going to be okay? Yeah. (laughs) You see the the remote in the back of her head. Like, yeah, (laughs) it's just like lodged in her skull. She's kind of crazy. She's definitely kind of crazy, but she helps him get away. Ship is also OP. She's like very strong. Let me ask you guys this too, as a casual uh, fan for as me. Is it been the, in the same ship the entire five seasons? Yes. Has yep. she ever been replaced? Uh, not explicitly. Yeah. Anything. Okay. I didn't think so, but I just wanted to confirm with you guys. But ship flexes her muscles, and instead of just escaping, which totally could have, 
she destroys the entire prison system that's floating around, right? She just goes in yeah. with all of her weapons. And those are the kind of things that I'm expecting from Rick more. And that's right. that's a common theme that we keep bringing out. I specifically keep bringing up throughout the podcast is just I want more tech, man. They're so Justin and Dan are so creative. Like, why are they not giving us more Rick doing what ship just did right there? Controlling the situation. I mean, you've actually even seen more of Morty pulling out tech, just mm-hmm. like in episode one where he's like, screw this. And he goes in and grabs all the tech and starts lighting people up and shit. And it's it. And then the planet become or the dimension or whatever gets the tech from his glove or whatever that he leaves. Yep. Like, <laughs> dude, that Narnia subplot is still the best plot of the entire season. So, far. yeah, that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you can complain about a lack of tech, but I don't think you can complain about a lack of creativity when you got these Hellraisers with their freaking face <laughs> peeled back and a coat hanger shoved up their spine. Those guys were ridiculous. They're no. finding creativity elsewhere. Yeah. Creativity has been the peak of this season because we, me and Paul were talking about this in the last podcast that, you know, you might not laugh as much this season or some plots are a little weird to you, but the animation department and like the battle scenes that they've been doing like for example in the decoy episode that ending fight which was oh, yeah. straight out of star wars i don't know that was incredibly done yep. and then the sperm Definitely. episode it was the chud people and versus the sperm like that was a crazy last like couple minutes of the episode they're absolutely destroying it in the art department and right. the animation department agreed so Let's just wrap this episode up. Yep. We kind of have the re-meeting between the two groups that have been separated all episode, and it's the kids getting right back into the couch and thrown on the TV just as the adults are walking in. And they throw on interdimensional cable, but it's just like a hot sauce commercial, it looked like. <laughs> yeah. But they're having this standoff where they both knew they were doing some crazy stuff, but we're trying to play it off. And then the adults are asking them what they were doing and vice versa. And then like a skull drops out of one of their coats. Baby skull. <laughs> a baby skull and then they just both leave and get out of there and that leaves the three kids and bruce is just like hey i gotta check out you're standing in the social hierarchy you know you know how it goes but if you're chill then we can hang if hey, not literally- no news is bad news dude yeah and literally he's just like i can only give a 24-hour commitment so sorry <laughs> and we did skip over the thing we already talked about which was the funny scene about rick smelling adventure and her and the mm. ship showering and himself. then jerry <laughs> farts at the same time distracts him Perfect. Works out. (laughs) Yeah, it worked. And then, yeah, I kind of want to hit the post credit scene right now because it it is relevant. It's Mm -hmm. the Chut losing his coolness. He escalates to the top of the the social pyramid is the coolest guy in school. And then a cheerleader calls him out for wearing the same pair of pants twice in a row. And just like that, he's labeled as Bruce Chut pants (laughs) and he plummets back down and Morty and uh, Summer see it happen. And Morty just says, I hope he can find solace and is in his uh, independence. Yeah. And I think it's Summer that's like, oh, that's going to (laughs) stick. Oh, yeah. Chut pants. When he's walking home after, you know, leaving the school depressed, the alien ship comes down with the male boxians in it and they just beat the shit out of him with bats. (laughs) Shouldn't be standing on the sidewalk, nerd. Or something like that. So funny. I want to say back to our conversation earlier about Chutback. I think this post-credit scene might actually eliminate him from coming back. Yeah, it really? could go either way. It's either going to be that he's now low enough to, to be actually friends with Morty or that's just his exit. Yeah. And I actually thought of it as the exit until, Brian, you brought up the possibility 
And then I, but it is, I still do think it's a possibility they could be friends, but I, I did take it as it was his exit. Like, all right, he's done. It could go either way, but I think it would have been, I would have been confident that he would make another appearance if he stayed like cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. I would have thought that it would have been like a main subplot or a main subplot. Is that a real thing? <laughs> it would have a subplot of an episode that he becomes not cool. If it's going to be a thing that him being not cool equals him being friends with Morty. So I don't know, but I knew B towns was going to like this dude either like, <laughs> like to hate him or just like, like him. I just knew you were going to, you were going to gravitate towards Chuck back. <laughs> dude, you gotta love the shot. He's also voiced by uh, a character in Glee. He played, uh, he was the openly gay singer for the warblers that's introduced in like season three, but he was a great character. The actor is really good, but it's just another cameo of a famous actor doing a voice Did, for Rick and Morty. Were you a Glee fan? Absolutely. That's something me and Paul have in common. We were really, I've never seen it. What do they call us? Gleeks or something? You're a Gleek. I'm a Gleek. What are you going to do? Gleek Town TV. Should we cover it there? Gleek Town TV. I'm sure Kathleen could get behind that. Is it still a thing or is it done? No, it's I don't know. It's only worth like the first three seasons because it's like high school. And I think they were like juniors season one. So they graduate and it gets weird. First two seasons are fucking money though. Wow. But that's for another podcast. I'm learning something about you today, Ryan. Yeah, man. I I got layers. You You do have layers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's talk about this episode as a whole real quick. I know based on just our conversation here, we all like this episode more than the last two. Mm -hmm. So, as we've been doing the last couple podcasts, what do you guys give it out of 10? Are you going like points as well? Like 7.5 or yep. are you going? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would go with an eight, eight out of 10. I almost give it a nine. It's like a high eight, but I'm not giving it that. It was a really good episode. Back to our roots after two episodes that maybe struggle, struggle to find their footing. So yeah, I, I really liked it. it. It felt like just a classic Rick and Morty adventure. Good laughs, good characters, good vibes. Give me an eight. Yeah, if I was going to go back and say that episode one was about like a nine, nine point five or so, then I would probably say this was about an eight. So I'll go eight. I like, yeah, that's right around where I'm at as well. I would say like seven point eight, something around there. And yeah. I'm willing to bump this up if in hindsight, when the season finishes, something happens with the portal gun pass. This just being a lazy way to throw it in there. So it's not just out of nowhere when it's going to be a main plot point in the next episode. Yeah, I mean, I think in hindsight, like once we get more episodes, it could be a, an episode that we remember that gives Ship more personality. It gives Jerry and Rick their, a little bit of growth. So, I mean, it could bring Chuck back. I mean, it could be something that that means something later, uh, more than we realize now. But yeah, for now, I'm going to go with an eight. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I definitely enjoyed it more than the last two. I agree with what we said that I don't think that the last one before this was a five point whatever uh imdb had it at so yeah i'm good with an eight any episode that gives us mousetrap nipples is guaranteed (laughs) seven or above so exactly (laughs) i'm gonna give it an eight point two because of allison hannigan give me that extra point two for her that's true (laughs) but if that's all we got keep an eye out for our continued coverage of rick and morty we're gonna be covering each episode week by week as they come out and as always if you like what you heard give bingetown tv a follow on twitter and instagram visit us on bingetowntv.com and subscribe to our show on spotify the apple podcast app or wherever else you may find your podcast once again we are bingetown tv and thanks for listening my wife my wife (laughs) You're listening to the Geekscape Network.